0: Father in the name of Jesus today again we magnify and we glorify your precious name thanking you Lord for you are God almighty the king of kings the lord of lords you are the living God and right now Lord as you speak to our hearts I pray that we will every one of us, Lord God, that we have an open heart right now, that by worship, by praise, by your prayers, Lord God, by you encouraging us with many words, Lord God, that has set us in the place where our hearts are open to receive your word, Lord God, right now. Teach us of your word, Lord God, endow us with your truth, Lord God that it will change us, that it will rearrange us, Lord God, that it will not allow us to stay the same, Lord God. So we say, have your way right now as you speak to us, Lord God. And as your word says, let God be true in every man alive that we may be able to receive your truth, Lord God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints of God say amen, amen, Amen and amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. If you will, turn your Bibles to James chapter four. James chapter four. We're going to be looking at several different scriptures on today uh, in in there. But uh, let us just start with James chapter four. In our text verses, verse 14, James chapter 4, verse 14, and really the text part of our verses, the B portion of the the verse, though I'll read the whole verse uh, of James chapter 14. The title of our message on this morning is, uh, what is your life? What is your life? What is your life? And here in James chapter 14 it says whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away I'm going to read that B portion again for what is your life it is even a vapor come on somebody That appears for a little while, or a little time, and then vanishes away. Here, the writer James, as he expresses the word vapor, I mean, uh, as he expresses the idea of what is your life. Life here is not um, about the origin or the essence of life that he's talking about but it is what he's referring to is about the time between birth and death. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all missed that. Here, when he referenced what is your life, the word life here is not, he's not talking about the origin of life or the essence of life, but he's speaking to us from one particular place. And that place is, uh, as it pertains to life, is the you as the individual, each one of us, He's talking about birth, your birth, until death. Yes. This is the reference to what is life, what is your life. Uh, he's referring to from birth to death, not the essence of what life is for all of us or the, uh, the origin of life, which there is an origin of life. There's an essence for life, but here in particular, he's speaking to us individually to cause us to uh, to come to a thought process, to think about what is my life. Well, the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter uh, five, verse fifteen, that we as believers, and it's the speaking to the same word life. A uh, part of it is, is that we should no longer live our life. Our time between birth and death, now that we are a child of God, that we should no longer live our lives for ourselves, but for Him who died for us and rose again. Come on, somebody. Are you with me on this morning, my friend? Because God is really wanting to speak to us. And in, in the question that He has in the title to the message is, What is your life? Go ahead and shut that door. Shut that door. Shut the door. What is your life? And he's speaking to each and every one of us because there, he, he, he wants to draw our attention to our, from this period of time, from our birth to death. And in essence, you know, uh, for each and every one of us, it's from now, somebody say now until we leave this place because you can't do much about yesterday come on somebody but what God is calling our attention to is today and moving forward what is your life he needs you to to ask yourself this question he needs you to ponder within your heart what is your life what is uh, in in the question what is your life for you as an individual for me as an individual is for me to think about what am I going to do with the rest, what am I doing with my life? Am I living it for myself or am I living it for Him? I think we need to. Uh, I said we were going to go to several scriptures, so let's, we might as well do that. Let's start by going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 so we can make, get an eyewitness on what this really is. My God. there's a real attention that God is wanting to bring to a reality for each and every one of us right now. And he's speaking to you personally. And he wants you to to realize or to ponder right now for you today, what are you doing with your life? And no, this ain't an addressment that you may be living in some sinful way off the chain. No, that's not what he's talking about. And not even what he's addressing. And, uh, but what he is addressing more than anything is are you, how are you living? What is the main essence of the, the bottom of your heart? See, it's it, it a reason why God puts the service together the way he does and, and even... The, the call to worship and the scripture and everything that he brings forth because it all ties together. You know, it was David at the end of his life in First Chronicles that we read about that he came to realize what really, what life was really all about. And these was in his last hours. And not that he didn't uh, probably have some idea, but the real reality as we look in First Chronicles chapter 29, as you can see there, when you read it, you will feel it with your heart that this man uh, was at a place Yes, while it was in his last days, we talking about his former days, but even while he was in his last days that he came to a place of really knowing that what an honor and a privilege it is for us to know who God is and for us to be in a relationship with the creator. And this is why he told, he, he blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly. He was not ashamed of who the God that he served. That he was willing to bless the Lord and to praise the Lord um, in the assembly of all the people. And not only was he not afraid to bless the Lord, but then at the end of it, he encouraged the and commanded the people to bless the Lord. And when I say commanded, it wasn't like he had to make them. They was ready already. Glory be to God. And today is your heart ready already to just receive that when, we, when can we praise the Lord? Are you ready to be bursting? Are you bursting at the seams? Is what the world would say. I'm bursting at the seams. And our hearts ought to be bursting at the seams if we really know who he is. Yes, thank you, Lord. And if we really understand. As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse uh, 15 here. Look at it. It says and he died for all. And that he is Jesus. Then. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. And this live, the first live is that those of us that have been born again, this ain't just talking about between uh, the dates between birth and death. This is talking about the, the first live here, those who live Is those who have come into the knowledge of truth that have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Those of us that understand that he died for all. That now we become a living vessel. Now you are a living vessel because you have been now what? Those have received him uh, as Lord and Savior. Those have come to this knowledge of truth. Then guess what? God does something. And what God does is he washes us in the blood of the lamb, that he purifies our affections and he changes them from, uh, uh towards sin in, in, the, in the world. And he check, turns them and exhausts them into a supreme love for himself, but he sanctifies us. This is what God does when we believe and that is though, that's the live, the first live that he's talking about, that now that we live, now that we have life, come on somebody, and that life is here and now, but it's an eternal life. Now that you have eternal life, that you should, that now, the second live speaks directly to the here and now, to your days. That those who live, those who have life, eternal, should no longer live these days from birth to death. Now we're talking about birth to death here. That you should no longer live your life for yourself, but for him who died for us and rose again. And many of you did heard this scripture over and over again, but it, it, we can't hear it enough. We can't be reminded enough because from one day to the next, especially as we have been born into a world, even as believers before, until we really understand the truth, it, it, just as long as it took us to come to the knowledge of truth, then for us to be reformed, transformed, for us to conform to the transformation, it's, man, it may take just as long so, if it took you 30 years to, to receive it, then now it's going to take you, oh, 30 another years to, for it to manifest in our life. That we could, because, because that's why our, the Bible says that our minds, we have to be renewed. That, uh, and that we have to be renewed one, what, once a month, once a year? No, we need to be renewed daily. This stuff has to happen daily in our lives, my friends. And today, God is wanting you to know and ask yourself the question what are you living? What is your life? We sing the songs. I give myself away. We even say the cliches, and, and they're really not cliches, but we use them so much that we make them into a cliche. That I don't. Uh, that I don't belong to myself. You know that I've been bought with a price. We can say the words, my friends, but these is this is about more than just saying the words. This is about it becoming. Uh, understanding in our heart that will lead to a life that we live. Come on, somebody, the life that we live. Say the life that we live. And, and God is pleading with us as his dear children. Yes, he loves us. Yes, and he knows where each and every one of us are at. But he is not satisfied for us to stay where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. It's time for us to move Forward. To no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who died for us, and this is the reason why He wants us to pay particular attention to the fact that to our days, yes. yo, to our life, and to realize. Here's the beautiful thing: is is that in James chapter fourteen, back there, that if we really understand what our life is, it says that it's a vapor. What is a vapor? A vapor. See, and, and, and from a spiritual standpoint or as it pertains to the text, this is talking about something that is unsubstantiated, unsustainable. That it, 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 it that is here in a moment and it's gone the next. In there. And we're talking about the creator of all things that says that your life is just is a vapor. Turn your Bibles to Psalms uh, 90. That our lives and our time here is a vapor, my friend. Actually, go to Psalms 39 first. We'll go in order. 39, Psalms 39, verses 4 and 5. And it says this. There's that psalmist, David, again. It says, Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. See, what he's saying is make me to know my days. And making me to know my days is not what we think. Making me to know my days here is a reference to me understanding that my days as it pertains to uh, your days. That see, when he came to understand that as a, for God uh, uh, one day was as a thousand years, and then so in him understanding that for God one day is as a thousand years, then it shows how frail we are, how much of a we can be here today and gone tomorrow. He says that, uh, look at verse 5. He says, Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly, every man at, at his best state is but a vapor. Certainly, every man at his best state is but a vapor. And here's the interesting thing. Do you know what? Uh, uh, what it says here that uh, in the latter part of, uh, of ver- well, in the middle part of verse five, it says, "Indeed, you have made my days as a handbread." Handbread. Hand Do you know what that is? A handbreath is the measurement from the thumb to the little finger. So when I stretch out my hands from the thumb to the little finger. That's the number of our days. And I ain't talking about no voodoo crazy stuff. <laughs> what I'm talking about is, is you, if you look at that, then in, in comparison to, to the creator of all things in God, it just gives us a, a, a view of, of how frail we are and, and the number of our days is nothing yes. compared to God in eternity, my friend. And that which God has in store for us, For eternity, it's not worth us trading off uh, the, 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 the trials and the tribulations that we may have to face even right here and right now. What is your life? Is it for your use or is it for God? See, this is the reason why this is very important. Go to Psalms 90. Yes, Lord. Psalms 90, verse 12. See, God wants us to understand something because if we understand the, uh, that how frail we are or how uh, such a vapor our days really are, then and only then can we begin to let God encourage us to be able to take a true look at, at, at today, at our days, at the time that we have left here, my friends. Yes. I'm going to say that again. Until a person, until we realize how frail our days is, that truly our life and our time here is, much, is, is nothing more than a vapor. Do we understand that? Yes. And until we get a real enlightenment of, the, uh, of our days being just a vapor, then guess what? It really don't speak, it, that's the only way, that we can really begin to g- gain some value in terms of the importance of our days. So here in, in Psalms 90, verse 12, it says, here, and this is a prayer that Moses prayed, actually. It says, so teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, See, and really here with the, when it says teach us to number our days, it, it actually, uh, you can put in there, teach us to value our days that we may have a heart of wisdom, my friends. Because if we don't understand the number of our days, we don't understand the value of the days and the time that God has left us here then we don't have a heart of wisdom. But boy, if we can get a heart of wisdom that will speak to the value of the days that we have here. Oh, it changes everything, my friend. Yes. So we don't live today for ourselves. We begin to now, we can truly give our lives over to the work of the Lord. Yes. We can truly begin that journey that Jesus said that if any man would come after me, if he has a desire to follow after me, what he must do? That he must die to himself. Yes. Deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. So now we can really begin to put things in order to, uh, to die to ourselves. <clears throat> We're not going to truly know the value. And until we know the value, we can say a whole bunch of stuff. We can be told a whole bunch of stuff. We can even believe what has been told to us. But to do it, it's not going to happen until we truly understand uh, and have a heart of wisdom to know that God is serious about what he's saying about your life, my friends. Because otherwise, all we're going to do is we're going to hear it. We can even believe it, but we'll turn around and continue to live it the way we've been living it. So it's nothing about dying to ourselves, my friends. It's going to leave us, it's too, it's too much for us to resist self. It's too much. That which we've been born into sin and shaped in iniquity, this injection that we, we have that is innately working in us. Even when God births us again, that if we don't let go of who we were, then we won't walk in the newness of life that he gives. See, because right here in this passage, the scripture in 2 Corinthians, when he says that you should no longer live for yourself, if you read a little bit further, he says now uh, we all, through the washing of the blood, that we are new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And what that means is that he has made all things new. But that don't mean that it takes us now conforming to what he's done. See, this is the part we was missing before because he did it. Then we just say, okay, it's done. No, when he did it, then now we got to conform to it. Yeah. This is the choice that you got to make. Come on. This if you. If you want to do something, see, we want to, we always think that we want to do something or we feel justified in doing something. But the part that we, we want to do, we don't want to just do the conforming part. We want to try to do the work. No, God has made it easier than that. You don't need to do the work. Matter of fact, you can't do the work. And what is easy, how God has made it easy, is, is, it seems virtually impossible for us. Because that's the part that we don't want to do. We don't want to conform to nothing. We don't want to do the conforming part. See, because what, what does that take? See, we, we, conforming takes us actually now having to die. It means self has to die now. That means you can't continue in the way that you used to uh, be. That means, it don't mean that, uh, that you, um, and see, and what he's talking about here is more than just what you can't do. It's more than stop this, stop that. See, what this is talking about is now that you have to do something. And what is it that you have to do? You got to start allowing God to, to, to love his love that he's shown with you that, that it's got to actually become, become operatable through you now. What, this, what, what you got to do then and conform to is, is, is the humility. You got to die to pride and allow your humility to come forth. So when you've been accused of doing something that you haven't done, that you have to begin to humble yourself to even be able to approach that situation and say, my friend, if uh, I've if wronged you in any kind of way, knowing that you ain't have no intentions of doing nothing, and most of the time you ain't did nothing. I get it. But because of people and who they are and where we are at different times, then we feel a certain way about uh, what somebody said, did, look, how all of that different stuff. And most of the time when we feel a way, it ain't because somebody did anything, it's because of where you at. But the person that has to be humble is the other person. Yeah, this is where he, what he, what Jesus meant when he says, love your enemies, do good to those who despitefully use you and persecute you, you accuse you. See, it don't mean that we can't do no wrong, but most of the time, the highest percentage of the time, it's not the wrong that somebody did. That causes you to have to humble yourself. It's the wrong that that uh, of what what where it's because of where they are that perceives what you did. That causes you to have to humble yourself and, and be able to go to them. And to be able to humble themselves. Even at a time like this, uh in there. Seeing all of these things is so important, my friend, and we cannot stay the same. See, because uh, the way we were is the the world will tell us, no, if I ain't done nothing, they better come and apologize to me. Making them accusations, spreading them lies and doing all of these different things. But the word of God says, no, this is something totally different, my friend. He's called to See, this is the part. This is the separation. This is the the denial of oneself. Especially when I know that I ain't had no intentions I, and I know that I ain't even did nothing. For me to have to uh, swallow my pride and humble myself. See, this is the change that God is calling us to. And it's a reason for the change, my friends. It's a reason for the change. Turn your Bibles to First uh, Peter, as a matter of fact. See, the wisdom of God that's at work, the heart of wisdom that he gives us, See, wisdom gives you insight. 1 Peter chapter 1, as a matter of fact. The heart of wisdom gives us insight. And the insight that it gives us it encourages us in, in it, in it, it, to die to ourselves. Come on, somebody. Amen. God loves us with an everlasting love, my friend. And, and yes, this ain't no normal stuff. This ain't no, uh, see, because there's wisdom that uh, the book of James talks about, earthly wisdom and then heavenly wisdom. And the heavenly wisdom, you know, it don't add up and it don't make sense, yo. Know, because heavenly wisdom is sent and it operates from a place in a precedence that will glorify God and the kingdom of God. That's right. And then the glorifying God and the kingdom of God, then guess what happens? Guess what about you and me? We become expendable in this time and expendable not unto death and the separation, but expendable in terms of self death yes. Yes. and a separating from the flesh yes. that you may be able to live and walk in the spirit, my friend. See, God is calling us to live to, to uh, live or to walk where we live at. See, he moved us into a place where we live, but now it takes you to walk in where you live. That's what Galatians is talking about. That, uh, now we ought to walk or, or, or live where we walk at. Walk where we live at. Yes. We ought to walk in the Spirit because we live in the Spirit, my friends. And Spirit. Hallelujah. And you don't live there because you purchased a residence there. You live there because by the blood of Jesus, in the grace of God, we've been moved to the place where we live at. Hallelujah! And we ought to walk in the spirit because that's where we live at. And here, and that's what the wisdom from above will do. It separates self. And it lifts up the kingdom of God. And so, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, It says this, that be encouraged, my friends, because the prior verse tells us that you have, uh, you know, that God has made a reservation for you and he's faithful to keep that reservation. So he says that now allow the spiritual wisdom that comes from above. Let it be at work in your life that it may kill self. It says in this you grow greatly rejoice. In what? In the fact that he's made a reservation for you that he's going to keep. That's what he says. So I need you to greatly rejoice. Though now, somebody say though now. For a little while. If need be. Come on somebody. You have been grieved with various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to the praise Honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. Jesus. So though we may have to endure some various trials for a little while, that we understand that, it, you know, that it's not worth it. To trade it in for nothing else. Look at verse 8, it says, whom having not seen you love. Talking about Jesus Christ. You ain't seen them, but you love them. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, meaning that you are operating at the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. The end of your faith is the salvation of your soul, my friends. And then we can operate in that as though it is done, it is done, it is done because of what he said in verse 5, because he's made the reservation. And he is faithful to be able to keep it. That it's him, somebody say him, that keeps this. And this is good news, my friends, because it's high time for us to really grab a hold of this. And it's all speaking to, so we can begin to live today for him and not for ourselves. Because we we got to be able to understand. See, as long as we don't understand this, as long as we don't have the heart of wisdom, then what we're going to be fighting for is each and every day to get a piece of that day for myself. Yes! This is our deliverance. And he didn't say that you, now that you've been bought with a price, now that, you, that, that you've been raised from the dead just with Christ Jesus, now that Christ has been raised, that we should no longer live for ourselves uh, just part of the day. He says, no, all the day, all the day. We have to get to this place, my friend, as the church. He's not talking to the world. And if we, the church, don't do this, if we just continue to come in and hear the words, believe the words, and walk out with no change in our life, the will of God, the perfect will of God, that we're supposed to be that living sacrifice for in, in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 talks about that ultimately that the perfect will of God can be done you know, and it's going to come through a living sacrifice it's not going to happen this is the living sacrifice that you give up your life today understanding that it's not worthy to be compared to that which he has in store for you yes. it's not oh, it's not and he's just saying that he needs to use us today in that same chapter you know, he continues to just, to encourages us. First Peter chapter one, it, it's just, it's a breath of fresh air and, and fresh life because he encourages us then to, you know, to be girded up with, with some things. To, uh, even to the point in verse 14, he says, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts. So if he's saying not conforming yourself to the form of lust, what is he saying? But conforming yourself to the present uh, spirit of the living God. And to not walk in the ignorance as we used to. But as he has called us, we ought to be holy and conduct ourselves in this way. Not to prove to God anything, not to, to earn some merits because we can't, but because of who he is. And that which he's called us to, and look at verse seventeen. It says this: "And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here with fear, with reverence, with honor." Is what is talking about. It's talking about our the, the, uh, the conduction of our time for the rest of our stay here. It's talking about, do you understand the number of your days? Do you understand the value of your days, my friend? What is your life? This is a serious call from God today saying, I need you to understand and to think about what is your life? What is your life? What is your life? Are you going to continue to live it for what you can get out of me or what you think you deserve from me being a child of God? Or are you going to give your life over to me for real for what it's supposed to be? That I may be able to use it for what the kingdom of God needs. Because I've already made your reservation. I've already insured, showed you and told you and made it very plain to you that uh, your various trials that you may have here now and the suffering that you may have to go through ain't worthy to be compared to that which I have in store for you. i made it very plain and very clear, he says. But are you going to put more value into this flesh? The flesh itself the flesh is what I want. But is the number of my, or the value of my days, is it going to be an understanding that comes with a heart of wisdom that will cause me to yield my life, conform my life? Or is it the number of my days, am I going to be set in the way of my flesh? Is the value in the flesh, or is the value in the spirit of the living God Look down in the same chapter, of 1 Peter, if you go down to verse 24, because your flesh is nothing, my friend. If we put the value in the flesh, look what it says here. All flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flowers of the grass. The grass withers. And the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. All flesh is as grass, and the glory of man, it adds up to nothing, my friend. And what's the glory of man? What's the, the flesh? If we follow this flesh, it, 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 it's as it's, it's grass. In the glory of man, meaning that which I want out of life, that which will pump me up, that which will make me look good, is as the flowers of the grass. See, that which makes me look good, that which gets me pats on the back. I ain't talking about what glorifies God or what lifts him up, but that that lifts man up is as flowers of the grass. And we know what happens to the grass. It withers. We know what happens to the flowers. It fades. Your flesh will wither. Your glory, your lifting up, your glory, your lifting up will fail. It's going to fall away. And the only thing that's going to last is the word of God. And the word of God says the only thing that's going to matter is that what we've done for him. And what that really means in context is that which we allowed and surrendered and submitted ourselves for the Lord to do through us. It don't even mean what you then came up with and what you thought to do and to offer to God. No, it means that what you open yourself up to and what you allow the spirit of God to work in you while you had breath that was still running in the warm in your veins, while you were living life. See, living means that you will, you, he already made your reservation. Life means that from that day to the day of your death, it describes that period of time. Come on, somebody. You remember we just left there? Now that we live, then we should no longer live our lives for ourselves, but for him. So the only thing that's going to matter is what God, can God use us? for the rest of our stay here? Is our lives available to him for his use? Or are we trying to use him while we have the rest of our stay here? It can't be said enough, my friends. And God is looking and he's searching for true worshipers and true believers In a time such as this, so he can work the works of the kingdom, that that church that Christ is coming back for is one that is without spot or wrinkle. That's you and me, my friends. And if we don't do it, we can't expect nobody else to. There's many churches that ain't even, you know, that, 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 that ain't even really trying to hear all of this. What they want to hear is just what uh, Paul wrote to Timothy about in a time such as this, that they were going to have itching ears and that they would heap up preachers and ministers to preach to them what they wanted to, what their flesh wanted to hear. To feed the lust of their flesh and to make them feel good about where they were. And to not challenge them to move from where they are to go where God wants them to be. So if we ain't going to do it, you think they going to do it? It ain't going to happen. So we have to be diligent today. And to really to know uh, and understand that truly our time, our life is, is yet a vapor, my friend. And we only, you only, me only. We only have a short amount of time to allow God to work his works and to use us. I realized today that being, I ain't say just today, I'm talking about I realized it being even today. Because I thought about this last night that, you know, that the, the, the majority of my days are behind me, my friend. The majority of my days are behind me at 54 years old. So I only have a certain amount of time to allow God to use me in there. And if you just keep reading through this, in chapter 2 he begins to say some of the same things and it's just really an encouragement to understand that we are the royal priesthood, that it's God that wants to work in us. That even if we have to suffer in doing so, that we understand that it's not our suffering is not worthy to 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 be compared. You know, it's it's not it's worth us understanding that yo know, that even Christ, as He called Christ in the Christ, the time that Christ lived on this earth, that He suffered for a greater cause. All that followed Him in the establishment of the church, the apostles, they all suffered for a greater cause and so what makes us uh, uh, ought to you know, advance into the modern times and think that the example has changed somehow oh my God. that we are not to suffer for a greater cause you know somehow I guess we think this is like uh, segregation or something you know Martin Luther King and, and some of the brothers then they, 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 they suffered and they gave up something so you didn't have to live through something We think it's segregation. This ain't segregation, my friend. The segregation is when Jesus returns. We're not going to get to a place in this natural body that, that changes the game. This won't be until we take on our new bodies, Josh that the game changes, my friends. It won't be until Christ comes back and we put on incorruption, my friends. So as believers, who will step up and realize what their life is? And that if it takes a little suffering, then uh, we can be encouraged by these words, but when you do good and suffer, if it takes you take it patiently this is commendable before god for to this you were called because christ also suffered leaving us an example that you should follow in his footsteps it's not going to change and we got so many people preaching that you're supposed to go through this you're not supposed to go through nothing now that you're a child of god it says it right here let me give you the scripture first peter chapter 2 Verses 20 and 21. It says, but for this very thing you've been called to. Suffer for the sake of the kingdom of God. Just as he did. So this don't don't tell us we ain't fighting for a cause. Like segregation that can end. That our children may not be, that they can live above this. So We're fighting to lay a sound, a, 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 a sound foundation. And we fighting to impart in, 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 in to our children, just as God has imparted to us. You're going to suffer, my friend, but I'm going to give you what you need that you'll be able to move through it. Yes. With all the confidence. And you will know that, uh, that your reservation has been made, glory be to God, by the one that is faithful to keep it. Hallelujah. And if we impart anything other than that to our, our children, from a spiritual foundation, we set them up for a failure, my friend. That's So if we ain't teaching them how to, uh, to be sanctified or live the sanctified life that God has already set them apart for, to live uh, being isolated, you know, from people because they, they don't because you, you ain't like them. and being able to be comfortable in doing it. We're setting them up for failure, my friend. When God is the one that called and set apart and made the reservation. We, we can't live like them, so then otherwise we're teaching them where God has set them apart and we're teaching them how to be conformed to the world. We're going to take what God has done and we're going to teach them the opposite. Oh my God. God forbid. So this whole message is a, uh, what do you call it when you, uh, a pre, you, know, when you take a class before the, the real class? This is a prerequisite for what God wants to minister to us next week. Because what he wants to minister to us is about stewardship. And the stewardship, he ain't talking about just money. He's talking about the stewardship of your time, knowing the value of your time, of your stay here. Well, are you using and managing the time that God has given you for what you want or for what he wants? It's going to be good, my friends. Let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you love us so much that, that you would not withhold no good thing from us. And as you are breaking the bread of life, which is the great thing, Lord God, you are feeding us with the bread of life, with the truth and nothing but the truth. That you ain't withhold this truth from us. And Lord, I pray that we understand it and realize it. Because in your truth, Lord God, is our freedom. And in our freedom, because it's been set by Christ himself, that it's indeed, that it's for sure, that it's guaranteed, that whom the Son says free is free indeed. It's a matter of fact. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That even to the point that we can allow or walk in the liberty, Lord God, that you set before us. And that liberty is is that we can walk following you. Even in the world that's against you. That we can walk following you, Lord God, even when we the oddballs. Because nobody else, everybody else is going the other way. That we have the liberty to, to walk following you, Lord God. And to be stewards, good stewards, over the time that you've given us to manage on this earth, Lord God. So we thank you in the name of Jesus. I pray for every one of us, Lord God, that this will touch our hearts, Lord God. And all that you've already given us, And, and as we study the word and go through it, that we can see clearly, Lord God, that you've made a message that is very clear. That we are not called... To anything but, you know, to be the stewards that you've called us to be, Lord God, through pain, suffering, joy, peace, and all of that. That it's never been about the circumstance, but it's about the journey, Lord God, and the purpose. So we glorify your precious name today, Lord God. And we recognize your love for us because you've not withheld your truth, which is the biggest demonstration and manifestation of your love for us. And we're forever grateful and thankful. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah.